0: Hey, A1 fans, Andy here. We're going to Cisco Live and we can't wait to see you there. If we see you wearing an A1 or Cables to Cloud shirt at Cisco Live, we'll enter you in our giveaway that includes a bunch of cool prizes like an A1 branded Yeti
1: cup and an OCG of your choice from our friends at Cisco Press. Don't have a shirt? No problem. Head to the link in our bio and grab yours today. See you soon.
2: This is the Art of Network Engineering podcast. Podcast to explore tools, technologies, and talented people. We aim to bring new information that will expand your skill sets and toolbox, and share the stories of fellow network engineers. Welcome to the Art of Network Engineering. I am AJ Murray at NoBlinkyBlinky Blinky on Twitter, and I am joined this evening, flanked flanked i'm gonna use flanked i'm flanked this <laughs> evening by by dan at howdy packet dan uh i feel like it's been a while since we've recorded together uh so i i know it's been a while since i've recorded i've done a crap ton of editing behind the scenes uh so i'm excited to be back uh, behind the mic dan it's good to see you how you doing
1: it's good to see you too aj back when i was a teenager, I started getting into uh PC gaming right back in probably like my 13, somewhere around there.
2: As we all did.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I kind of stepped away from, you know, the, the Nintendo 64, playstations, Xboxes, and I stepped into the PC world. Right. And I haven't gone back since then. Right it's been pretty much online multiplayer games on PC since then. Well, this past week I've been I've been wanting to get my boy into video gaming, right? He he's okay. he's he's 4 years old. He just turned 4. But PC just it's not really a good fit because mm-hmm. one I I I would want him to be on a separate computer so that way I can I can do my stuff on my computer and he can do whatever on his. So I was like, you know what? I probably need to go to the console route, right? And so I bought him a Switch the Nintendo Switch and we got like Luigi's Mansion and cool. some Mario Kart, you know, yeah. kind of some of the classics, right? <clears throat> yeah. And and it's been interesting watching him learn that. Well, also <laughs> I kind of fell back into my old childhood a little bit
2: <laughs> because <laughs>
1: I I didn't play, you know, story mode single player games, right? Like for a since my teens, right? I've been sure, once sure. I got online and I started playing multiplayer games, that was that was the wrap right there. Well, I've been playing the latest Zelda, and it's just crazy because like I'm really enjoying it. There's so much in depth to that story and 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 like the playing of it.
2: Oh man, it,
1: it, it's just been a weird, a weird, uh, I don't know, vibe that I've been having yeah. here lately. I've been actually yeah. wanting to play single player story mode type game, and uh, I don't know, that's that's been that was a very long intro of how i'm doing Wait, hang on but, so so but that's you, where you i'm wanted, at right now you wanted to get your your
0: son into playing games with you and then you started getting single player games and tell him to piss off <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah no, just, no 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 after he goes to bed I, oh okay then i've been playing a couple of those gotcha.
2: so.
1: yeah sorry about that that was a really no no weird no, dude, intro I,
2: so daddy's I, I busy
1: saw, <laughs> i saw
2: the new uh the new Zelda game is out and I have yet to, to pick it up because the last Zelda game that, that came out, I picked it up and I was like, oh, yeah, hard. Like I played that game hours a day when I should have been like doing anything else. Uh, and, and so I, I will get it. I just when I'm in a when I'm in a better place in my life, I, I will. get. it. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean to say that I'm in a bad place. It's just I have a lot of other priorities right now that I <laughs> yeah. really need to take care of. Uh, so I feel like if I pick up that game, like all that, that shit's just going to go like out the window.
1: Yeah, it's, it's wild. I, I was actually surprised because like the last Zelda game that I played was, uh, Majora's Mask, right? Okay, I don't know yep, if you remember yep. that one. That, that was oh, on yeah. the N64. You know, I can't remember what year that was, like 98 probably or something like yeah. that, maybe earlier, but, uh, and I, dude, I played hours on that game and yeah. it had nowhere near, like in depth, what you can do in the game oh, as yeah. the tears, uh, tears of the kingdom, I think is what it's yeah. called the new one. Um, And it's just, I'm just blown away. I've been having a blast with it, <laughs> <laughs> but anyways,
2: anyway, I, he he digresses. I was going to say, I digress. I didn't digress.
1: Yeah. Tim, I, I'm the Tim one who digress. digress.
2: <laughs> Tim Bertino at Tim Bertino on Twitter. How are you doing, Tim?
0: It's the time of the year. Where we got to mow the grass. Oh, and it yeah.
1: sucks. But you know, I, I feel
2: bad for you. I, I have a teenager. I mm-hmm. haven't mowed the lawn you in, sure in do. like three or four years. <laughs> nice. <laughs> but I'll, but uh... my teenager's uh turning or he is eighteen and he may Fly the coop later this year, so I might have to go back to. I was gonna say I
0: wasn't gonna bring it up. I was like, "And he gonna be about
2: out of there?" (laughs) Yeah,
0: (laughs) you about to be uh, known again. (laughs) I'll continue in the 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 vein of video games because you you brought up some nostalgia. I mean, it was like tradition back in the day. It seems like for our generation, I have no idea what teenagers these days you know, how they binge games and whatnot, but you'd hit like a holiday, your birthday, Christmas, whatever. Mm. You'd get a new game and it was like for 72 hours straight.
2: Oh yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. You'd get through it and then it'd be on to the next one or then you'd maybe go back outside maybe, (laughs) um, and, and do something else. But yeah, that was, I was big, Dan, you brought up the N64. I was big on that. And um, GoldenEye, Rogue Squadron of Star Wars was Mm -hmm. probably one of my favorites, Uh, flying around, and that was Star
1: Fox 64. Oh, Star
2: Fox. Yeah. And
1: so you can actually get the online, um, What's it's like Nintendo online account, blah, 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 something other, multiplayer. I don't know, yada, yada, yada. But you can play Star Fox 64. You can download some old N64 games like like GoldenEye. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, you can actually play it on the on the Switch. So that I actually did that. I started playing Majora's Mask again because I was like, that's my childhood. Uh, but yeah, to your point, Tim. I uh, it was Christmas of '96. I was six years old. I got the Nintendo 64 and Mario 64 and Star Fox 64. Those were the two games that I got with it. I or that morning, I mean, and I went straight to my room and I played. I played Mario the entire yep. night. <laughs> yep. I didn't come out and it was Christmas. Like, yeah. I'll see you all next
0: year.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: What's going on uh, with you, AJ?
2: Oh, man. Uh, a lot. You're right. It, it, it is spring. Uh, spring has finally sprung here uh, up in Vermont. Uh, and we have a ton of projects going on outside. So at the end of, of last summer, early fall, we got a driveway put in. I've, I've had a stone driveway for the longest time since we moved in, and uh, every time I would snow blow, it would chuck stones all over my front lawn. Hmm. And then after the snow melted, I'd have to like rake the lawn to get all the stones back out, put them back in my driveway. We don't have so that you, problem anymore. You've
0: mentioned that before. So were were your snowblower blades just all like freaking mangled, or <laughs> did they no, hold up no, pretty no, well? I,
2: it, it's got like feet on it. And so I would like jack up the feet. So it would like, just oh, okay. barely yeah. like you know, <laughs> tickle the stones. Uh, so anyway, we, we got the driveway put in, but the driveway added some height to, uh, you know, the asphalt added some height to our driveway. So we had to get a bunch of dirt to like fill in around it. Mm. So I've been trying to uh, cultivate that and grow some grass. Okay. <laughs> so that's been my project. Lately.
1: What, what do y'all grow up in Vermont? Is it Cause like here we do mostly like fescue and, and that kind of stuff.
2: Uh, I couldn't tell you the variety of grass, Dan. It's just some grass seed that I threw down and AJ, this <laughs> I is like, hold on, hold on. Wow.
0: That reaction from
1: Dan was like, those, them's is some fighting words. You don't know yeah. the name of your grass. Look, look, okay. There's different types of dads, right? there there's you got some that are the barbecue dads which you know that's andy but you got yeah. some yard <laughs> yeah. dads you got beer I'm dads not a,
2: I'm not, i i prefer to think of myself as like a little bit of everything right okay I, i'm your jack of all trades master of nothing i i don't delve that deep into anything i, I, Same. Don't, I don't think all
0: right so dan are you out there in the in the white sketchers in the jean shorts oh it, <laughs> not yet
1: i'm i'm getting to that face in though. the like it, like it, the it, the high ankle high socks oh yeah it's it's gonna happen right okay. like i there's Holy there's gonna time. be a moment and it's gonna be like <laughs> it's, just, it's just gonna happen overnight and i i'm gonna cut the jeans right to, <laughs> where they're gonna be jorts that's what we call yes. them down here jorts. yep Yeah. and yep. uh and yeah i definitely want to get the uh, white sketchers or new balance and, new uh, balance
0: jeez i even screwed it up new balance yeah. See, you already got it figured out dude i, I i'm planning well you said it was going to happen overnight. Did this happen yeah. last night? <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, it's going to be like a caterpillar. You know how they they, they yeah. metamorphosize yeah. into like a butterfly. I just got to turn. He's just going to like know. cocoon himself up there in that upstairs uh, office of his. Yeah, and he's going to emerge one day with jorts and his shoes, tucked uh, in, tucked yeah, in T-shirt. Right. You know, you of go. course, oh, yeah. Oh. absolutely.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, it's coming. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh my gosh. Uh, anyway, lots of lots of stuff going on here around the the Murray home. Um, I, I was telling you guys before we started recording the show, my my uh, modem uh, died earlier this week, got that replaced. Today, my router died, uh, and I was kind of scrambling because it was in the middle of the workday, and it happened to be the one day that my wife decided she was going to work from home. Uh, and so it, instead of running out and buying a new router, I, I was like, oh, I have a, a lab uh, here full of mm-hmm. gear. And I uh, I took one of my ISR 2900s, and I repurposed that for my home router. Uh, and and so, hey, uh, back on back it's on the only air, lab
0: right. until it's production that's right
2: <laughs> <laughs> so it's a it's a nice temporary fix until i can figure out what's going on with my other my other gear but that's good to uh, hear
1: that a 2900s rocking what'd you say your downloads
2: were uh i'll, I'll get like eight or 900 down
1: that's nice
2: yeah that's
1: good yeah. for a lab
2: yeah yeah not bad at all especially because it was like a 2901 too i really wasn't yeah. expecting to get the full what, speed back
1: what year was a 2900 oh, like gosh. released. I mean that's been a while, right?
2: Yeah, it's been a moment. I want to say those were like 2011. Mm. Maybe. mm. Yeah. Really don't remember, but that's not why we're here. <laughs> uh, t- tonight, uh, we are going to dive into the topic of AI and networking. Um, you know, Tim and I, we were at NFD earlier this year, and we saw a lot of products that are integrating AI. Uh, we just returned from uh, Dallas, Texas, where we were at the Juniper Enterprise Analyst and Influencer Event, uh, and we saw a whole lot more AI in in what they're coming out with uh, later this year. In their networking products, and uh, there's also been a lot of discussion around uh, utilizing AI to build networks, like um, mm-hmm. chat G- gpt and, and some other things out there. So, uh, where do you guys want to? Where do you guys want to start with this one?
1: I would like to start with uh, network management.
2: Okay, all right.
1: What? Um, how could we leverage AI to help us with? automating, let's say task and and normal configuration changes, you know, the the day in, day out, just normal stuff that you're you're configuring, right? How can we leverage AI for for some of that?
0: So I kind of want to frame that up a little bit because the the biggest networking term as far as in my mind, as far as automation around configuration, especially around the data center for the last few years has been intent-based networking, right? The mm-hmm. The, the thought that you have this either GUI or API level interface to where you give your high level intent, this is what I want the state of my network to look like. And the automation system, the controller, however that's delivered, abstracts what it's actually doing, the actual underlying network configurations away from the administrator from, from having to do. So that's kind of where we've gone uh, in the industry lately. So I don't know if, if AI is just a spinoff on that or takes that the next step to where we're leveraging AI to define our intent. I, I don't know. AJ, what's your thought on that?
2: When I think of controllers, I don't know. I mean, until recently, I haven't really seen a whole lot of like AI in the controller, right? Mm-hmm. The, the controller is taking a known good templated design Mm -hmm. and allowing you to plug in some variables and then deploying that that design i don't know that it's necessarily ai taking business requirements or or user input and designing or deploying something like that right it's i think it's you know a cookie cutter network to to Mm Boil it down. Right. It's not it's not that simple. Right. Especially when you're talking about something with underlays and overlays like VXLAN and Lisp and, and all that good stuff, whether you're in the data center or the, or uh, you know, the enterprise. Um, but but A.I., um, you know, we saw a lot with uh, the Juniper Mist um, offering. Right. Where if you're having issues, it could analyze, detect, and propose potential solutions. It wouldn't Mm. implement the solution without an operator selecting the proposed solution or approving the solution get pushed. And then we're seeing other things like truly proactive notifications that, hey, we're seeing behavior that looks like an SFP is about to fail. We're gonna get you a replacement SFP so you have time to do a maintenance window and swap it out before it actually fails.
0: So you you just jumped into what I think is the biggest use case for at least AI in the near future in networking. Yeah. The three of us have been around enterprise networking for a fair amount of time now. And to me, the, the biggest pain point of operating managing networks is troubleshooting.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah
0: finding issues uh, as quickly as possible, hopefully before (laughs) a user calls in, which rarely ever happens. I mean, there's some really good basic monitoring solutions that can do uh, alerting and ticket generation and that kind of stuff that I've been exposed to. But what I'm talking about is getting out in front of those issues. Mm -hmm. And if somebody does happen to call in with an issue, having as much data in front of me that's in a readable format and maybe even points me toward the next direction. To your mm-hmm. point, you were just talking, AJ, like the SFP thing. And then also suggesting what's my next step. And Giving me maybe someday the option to not even uh, ask me what to do next, but but just implement that automated remediation um, instead,
2: instead of asking, what do you want to do next? It's here's what yeah. I did. Hey,
0: I did yeah. this. Um, yeah. So what one one that comes to mind, I know we had multiple vendors that presented to us at NFD earlier this year and uh, about things like this, the automated remediation, or at least log gathering to point you in the right direction. And that selector AI was one uh, that that really stands out of somebody who's uh, a company that's leveraging AI today to gather those different logs and do that correlation. And that's where I think the difficult thing is, is you have all of these different systems, all of this different type all these different types of data it's you have to have an ai system that can compare those apples and oranges mm-hmm. and be able to give you meaningful output and i th- to me i think that's the that's the biggest challenge but that's that's also i think the biggest reward right now is network automating using artificial intelligence to automate those troubleshooting network operations types of tasks
2: Right.
1: Yeah, and like so, one thing you were kind of saying is challenges with that is like, what about like data accuracy, right? Like, if you if you're fat fingering things, <laughs> you know, the is AI going to be able to help you to correct that, or um, <laughs> like, what about exceptions? You know, how does AI handle exceptions? That kind of stuff.
0: And can you get your AI to uh, like talk back to you in certain ways? Like you do. Yeah. So, like you just said, Dan, am I not? Am I? Doing something dumb and your AI just comes back, hey, dumbass! you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> have that because that's the thing too, right? That conversational right. AI, mm-hmm. that's something yeah. with leveraging like chatbots to actually mm-hmm. um, communicate. Uh, AJ was mentioned in Juniper and, and Marvis and being able to start having that um, conversational based network. John Capobianco has been talking about that too lately oh, yeah. of, of using automation and AI to, to have conversations with your network. It's it's far out to me, man, but it, it's coming.
1: Yeah, and oh, yeah. Go ahead, AJ. The
2: the conversational thing is interesting to me because mm-hmm. even today, if you have like a, a home assistant and you ask a question, but then you want to ask a follow up question, it it doesn't carry that context over, right? Mm-hmm. So, so using something like Chat GPT where th- Within it, within a conversation, like it remembers stuff that you asked about or information that you provided early on, earlier on in the conversation, to to keep that context, you know, consistent or alive, uh, rather than having to, you know, continually restate things over and over again, which I find right. very interesting. And so, in in the network troubleshooting context, I think that's really important because if we're talking about a single incident to to be able to maintain you know what the problem state is and then try all these different troubleshooting avenues and still remember what what's the original goal here? What's the, the broken thing we're trying to fix? Like that's, that's going to be huge and making that like a really viable reality.
1: Yeah, but also one thing to add to that too is like, uh, you know, because I, I want to have this conversation where we talk about what are some challenges too. I'm not going to be like one of those they took your jibs kind of people <laughs> and like, you know, AI is going to replace me and because and, I mean, it, may, it, 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 it might do that, right? But I, I don't have any control over that. So I'm going to use that as a tool uh, you know, in my favor. Um, until that time comes, if it does, but there's, some, I, I feel like there's going to be some challenges with it because, uh, like, where do you draw the line between something that AI needs to do versus a human me- needs to make the decision for it? Right. Yeah, that's- that
0: that's a hundred percent correct, and. That's where I go back to. To me, the 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 biggest place that that makes sense is in troubleshooting and operations. I'm still not quite there. Now, granted, I'm not a I'm not a heavy cloud person, um, and I'm sure it's it's probably much more prevalent in that. So I'm I'm thinking enterprise networks, enterprise data centers. I totally see the use case for AI in in troubleshooting and day to day mm-hmm. operations like that. Where I where I struggle with it is. Uh, in, in actual building out of networks. Like I'm yeah. finally coming around to the whole, what we were just <laughs> talking about a little bit ago, the network state, the intent-based networking, setting intent uh, in a GUI or in an API and really it abstracting all the underlying configuration away from you. So you don't necessarily have to know what all of that is. You're not configuring the the underlays or the overlays. You're, you're setting your intent, and essentially walking away and hoping it works. Yeah. I, I just, I don't see the yet the actual AI in in building networks. Now, Dan, you, you just did the, you took our jabs. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I want to call out, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't disappoint. Yeah. I, I do want to call out uh, a recent episode. It was episode 42 of the, the Heavy Strategy podcast of Packet Pushers. And it was actually called, Is Chat GPT Coming for Your Job? And in the description, it it was great. In the description, it's short answer is yes, long answer is long. Chat GPT is useful for demonstrating potential and getting more funding for AI. And then it it posed a question of how can it partner with humans to increase productivity and improve technology experiences, and that's exactly the question you were posing, Dan.
1: Well, and and one thing I I want to kind of go back on that you were just talking about is how how do we leverage AI in intent based networking? Because because I'm I'm right there with you. I'm just, I'm struggling to understand if if we have a template. That to build out, you know, a data center, I get the automation side of it, right? Like, but like, that's not AI, right? Right, right. That's, that's not where AI. I'm at with it. Yeah, it, it's it, I'm giving it a template, and then it's going in configuring that template, to, you know, to, to make the network configured as intended, right? Uh, uh. But how does we leverage AI? And here's where I I think we might, uh, where we might be able to leverage that is we, you know, in our, in our recent uh, Juniper um, discussion that we had, I I brought up the question of, okay, the fabric's going to see the traffic, right? I mean, it has to. Uh, so if it knows that, you know, application A is trying to talk to application B, what if there was a way for AI to be like, Hey, we noticed that this, this application is trying to talk to this application. Do you want to allow that that policy mm. and then either you say yes or you say no it, like we want to go that, and look yeah. into that further uh you know i i feel like that, that could be a use case for ai in a template type network so I yeah, that's that's an awesome point, Dan, because um, I wasn't
0: originally think, I don't know why I wasn't, but I wasn't originally thinking the like the data center uh, security aspect of it because that is yeah. so difficult right now mm-hmm. is we have these intent based uh, networking solutions in the data center that can do that level of micro segmentation. Mm-hmm. which is great, but you better know how your applications are flowing to be able, you still have to, at the end of the day, you still have to write those policies. Yeah. And that is so difficult. So to your point, to start leveraging AI solutions like that, that all they need is taps or spans or whatever, a way to get mm-hmm. that data. Or like you said, an integrated fabric, a way to, to mirror that data, to then uh, be able to leverage AI to suggest policies Based on
1: baseline workflows. That's yeah.
0: That's a fantastic point.
1: Because I, even I, even though it's intent based, like kind of to my point in the uh, in the Juniper episode, um, not not I don't think everybody knows what their actual intent is, right? Like it's it's a learning phase to some extent. Yeah, I don't know uh, what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, me neither. I mean, <laughs> <laughs>
2: nah,
0: I don't know I, what I, I mean that, until it works, and then yeah, that's what I meant to do.
2: <laughs> I. I think if we're talking about like AI, you know, potentially replacing jobs, uh, I'm thinking about the analyst, the security analyst, like mm, any sort of like yeah. network analyst, like people who have to like pour through logs and make heads or tails of, you know, what's something worth chasing down versus, oh, that's normal kind of thing. Like that yeah. to me seems like something you could train an AI to look at traffic and then, notify me like when you see something that's truly an anom- uh, anomalous right like when there's actually a problem
0: yeah yeah that's a good point the whole um you know leveraging ai to in the the seam the the actual security yeah, oh, log yeah. aggregation yeah. Mm-hmm. and in correlation yeah definitely that that could be uh very beneficial there
2: i mean those those tools are great and they do a lot of like really powerful things but they need somebody there to look at that information and from my perspective and in my own experience, I've been held by you know certain security compliance that says you have to have these monitoring systems and these tools, but I barely had the budget to buy it, and I certainly don't have the staff to operate it. And so it just became this tool that, yeah, sure, I have a syslog collector, but I don't <laughs> have somebody that can stare at that thing all day, and we only yeah. ever touch it when we're doing a troubleshooting uh, you know, adventure.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and then also, it's like, um, and now, and I believe some some of these sim solutions have this capability. But, um, like, let's say you have to be, you know, y- your your company needs PCI compliance, right? Mm. Um, you know, if you had an AI that was, you know, crawling the logs and 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 all that, and they're like, hey, this this whatever just happened here is not P- normally PCI compliance do you want to do something about it? I think, I don't know if there's any systems out there that can do that specifically. Uh, I, I, I do feel pretty confident that there's systems out there that will let you know that that's out of compliance, but maybe the AI portion would be, do you want to do something about it? You hit yes. And it, it goes and configures kind of back to that intent based, you know, uh, networking where, um, It, it, you, it lets you know that you got out of posture Mm -hmm. and you're saying, uh, or out of compliance in your posture and, and you're saying, Hey, I want you to go in and fix that and then let it do its thing and, you know, configure the network properly.
0: Yeah. Like in that scenario, you're, you're stating my intent is PCI compliance. You tell Mm -hmm. me if I'm out of compliance and, and where,
1: And what I need to do to fix that. Yeah. Right. And then let the AI figure out what it needs to do on the back end with automation to make it happen. For sure. See, I I keep going as soon as as you mentioned it a few minutes ago, Dan, I keep going back to
0: these security use cases. Yeah. uh, Because security is all about having updated meaningful data to be able to act upon. So I know there's all different types of threat data feeds that you can uh, subscribe to. So to be able to ingest all those different feeds and then be able to correlate against them to find out what's the best thing to do in the environment to potentially prevent vulnerabilities from being exploited. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't see yeah. why AI could not be uh, make a play in that kind of space. A- yeah. Absolutely.
2: I mean, you get all the CVEs that get published, and you know there might be one that applies to a piece of software that you're running, but you're not running the service that affects it. So, right. You know, That's trying, a big pain to- point. Yeah, that's to a big pain that point to right Understand, like, am I affected or am I not?
0: Right, because mm-hmm. I mean, any any vendor will publish the the vulnerabilities based off of CVE, but a lot of times it's going to be you'll get it. It'll show the affected version and then you have to read through to decide because they'll show you in in the fine print. okay, yes, it's this version, but you're only affected if you're running this feature and have it configured in in this Mm -hmm. specific way. And I think having those uh, those monitoring systems right now, I'm going to say this. I don't have any data to back it up, but I'm going to say it's probably more often than not going to be. Yes, you're affected by this because you match this version. And mm-hmm. then you need to dig in and see if you're really affected. Yeah. And then you need to prove that to the InfoSec team. So to be able to have something that's able to understand not only the intent, but also the state of your network and then say, okay, I get this alert. Uh, okay, yes, it matches this version. However, this uh, this function of this feature is not enabled. So this is a non-event. Yeah. And not only be able to have that, visibility, but to be able to report on that and show that, nope, we're not affected, and this is why, without having to spend an hour
2: trying to figure it out yourself. And now a word from our sponsors. Unimus
0: is a network automation and configuration management solution designed for fast deployment and ease of use. In a previous episode, we talked config backups. Today, let's see how Unimus handles change tracking. Unimus automatically detects changes on your network devices, builds a version configuration history and sends change notifications you can then comfortably review config diffs in the web gui where you'll also find other key unimus features used for configuration auditing and network automation if you are interested in an on-premise device agnostic ncm software that automates the tedious parts of your workflows
2: check out unimus now back to the show
1: yeah, and actually, let's let's pivot a little bit there because you, you brought up I didn't even think about this at first. But uh, what about like network provisioning, right? Like, let's say okay. um, you want, or maybe not even network provisioning, but if let us say you want to convert, right? You want to go from one vendor to another vendor. Uh, actually, AJ, I think you were just talking about this. What what if there was a way that AI could figure out? Okay, this is what the config is like on you know this vendor. What? Does the config need to be to match whatever your features and your settings and, and protocols and all that stuff? What are the what what does it need to do to basically translate that into the new the new vendor? Or here's another one is like how many times have you guys had to go through like data sheets and stuff just to see if upgrading to the this new version is going to wreck your platform or not? Yeah. What what if AI could tell you that? Like it can dig through all those those data sheets or white papers right. whatever you want. To Ooh, call them. bug scrubbing and, too. Yeah, bug scrubbing yeah. exactly. Yeah. And yeah. and what if it could let you know like, hey, uh, you know, if you upgrade to this, you're going to run into this issue or this issue. Or it can be come back and it could come back and say, nope, you're good. This is this is a safe move for you guys. Yeah. And because I've heard horror stories about people doing this, and they they just missed a. a a small section in in these data sheets. Um, what are they called? Data sheets, white papers? Yeah, data sheets. that, yeah, that okay. specify the, the different
0: specifications of the gear. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And, and, and uh, um, I've just heard horror stories though. Like they are down for hours because it, it just bricked, like a Nexus 5K or something like that. Uh, you know what what if what if AI was there to to help? Uh, guide or you know ease your <laughs> your worry or concern about doing those kind of those major upgrades like on core switches or and stuff like that, right?
2: Yeah, because I mean the last thing that you want to do is upgrade to avoid one CVE only to find out the version you went to has like ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bringing it back to
1: yeah. Your security, yeah, because that exactly. is a
0: very that is a very manual process. I mean, that's something yeah. that mm-hmm. that I try to go through is I'll, I'll go to a vendor website i'll try to find the you know the starred release in the in the maintenance version i'm not mm-hmm. wanting bleeding edge i just want the long live maintenance release for the most part to get the bug fixes figure that out go through like dan uh, you both just said you want to make sure you're patching a uh a security vulnerability or a potential security vulnerability, but you want to make sure that that patched version doesn't contain its own. So mm-hmm. you're you're often, you, you might be looking at the security vulnerabilities of that vendor in those versions. And then you may pivot to the operational bugs uh, list if that's on you know a different platform or a different list. So it, it would be cool to, to be able to set that intent that we're talking about as far as software and say, basically just set the intent of I want the most stable, uh, long-lived maintenance release. And the AI system already has all that data from your network. It knows how all of your devices are configured, what features you're using, and you can tell it, "I want the most stable version, without you know the least amount of operational and security vulnerability bugs." And it's able to figure it out and and spit out, "Okay, we believe you should go to this version." And by the way, we've just pushed it and
1: staged it on all your devices. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that, a dream. Yeah, it, it does.
2: Like, it's like a utopia. It's like an IT administrator <laughs> utopia. <laughs> the
1: the only concern I have with uh, AI in that regard is like, what about false positives? Like how trusting can we be with this uh like how because do we
2: AI like any other computer is just zeros and ones right like it's it either matches a condition or it doesn't right, right? And, and so and so w- when it thinks it matches it doesn't know like well that's a false positive kind of thing right like it's a yes yeah. but it's a no like
1: and and like one thing i've seen is like using ai in camera systems right they they will kind of they'll put a percentage on how sure they think they are on something i wonder if there's a way that Uh, They could integrate that into like decision making and stuff like that. Like if your AI comes back and it says, hey, I feel 89% sure that you upgrading to this new code is not going to break anything. Right? Mm. Is that enough for the business side or the engineering side to be like, "All right, we'll send it on that." You know, I was gonna say, Dan, I need to know what percentage (laughs) is your send it factor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And see, I would, I would want to train my AI to be like, "Look, uh, like, Dan, do you want me to full send? (laughs) Yeah. Or do you mean just kind of send it? Kind of send, yeah,
2: yeah. Forty (laughs) five
1: percent certainty,
0: close (laughs) enough.
2: Uh, Yeah, full send." No. I, I think that would require additional data though to, like yeah. to train the AI right like it would need to know like okay based on your hardware platform based on the software version you're coming from and the software version you're going to 89% so, of the time the it works every was not- time <laughs> <laughs> Exactly <laughs>
0: So that's where I wonder if, and I think this is what's interesting with trying to leverage uh, like cloud data lakes and mm-hmm. anonymized information potentially yep. with other customers of the same vendor. Because I think that's where you could leverage that that type of information to say, mm-hmm. okay, other customers are doing this. This is the success level they have. And that's where I yep. think AI could be huge with uh, technical assistance center tech teams of yeah. uh, yeah. vendor support is that they already have this data. Oh, and yeah and they're already able to parse it and go through it and try to find uh you know how how many times has this happened to other customers and how did we fix it? So yeah. I
1: would think that that AI has a big use case for for that as well. Uh, Tim, I was about to say the exact same thing. Uh, Are we going to get to an er air or a a point in time where when we set up, uh, you know, network devices, is there going to be an option just like on like when you set up your windows machine, Hey, can we send data back to Microsoft? Mm, Uh, You know, is there going to be a time where we're going to basically be selecting a checkbox that says, yes, use my data. Uh, and and is that dangerous? You know, like I could definitely see yep. government not wanting to do that, and I would think some larger customers probably wouldn't want to do that either. But if it's all for to help AI learn what's best, what's not best, and make good decisions to better everyone's networks, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe you sh- we should be sending that data.
2: So so when when I look at some of this AI stuff, I, I see it as like a wizard, right? Like you and in, you're installing a piece of software. You're a wizard, Harry. <laughs> nice, nice. But but right, like but I I'm a VMware and a Windows guy for a long time. I and a long time ago, when you wanted to stand up something, you had to like install Windows first patch windows put on you know your av and and all that good stuff and then Mm -hmm. you got to the application and you put on the application and you configure the application and you configure the you know windows firewall or third-party av software slash firewall that you're putting on there to allow that communication to happen and Mm -hmm. then you fast forward a few years and you know vmware gives you vcenter vm that you can just deploy it'll ask you like six questions and it takes care of everything for you like that's that's taking what used to take hours upon hours worth of work and, and then compacting it down to like you know, 10 or 15 minutes, right? Like while you're waiting for that stuff to deploy. And so all of this network automation is doing the same thing for network engineers, right? Like if I have to stand up a network from scratch because it's Greenfield or for doing like an upgrade or something like that, why not have a wizard, right? Like Mm -hmm. give it some input, give it some variables and let it go and let, and, and let me focus on tasks that need me to focus on them rather than doing some of this like mundane common task stuff.
1: Well, and to that point, a little bit of the, the deployment side of it, we haven't really talked too much about, I guess that, but like, what if we're doing like brownfield deployments mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. introducing something, a change or, you know, new hardware. It can AI crawl it and figure out, Hey, no, this is going to cause an outage because of this right here. Right. Oh yeah. You yeah. know what, if it could give you, Hey, this is low risk. We don't see any issues, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, you know, especially with your role, AJ, I think that would be quite amazing. (laughs) I mean,
2: well, you you talked about going from one vendor to another. That is something that we constantly face. Like I Mm -hmm. see it in work chats all the time. Like, Hey, um, is there a tool to go from firewall vendor A to firewall vendor B? Because there's like a thousand NAT rules in here and I don't want to hand jam that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and it, it like sometimes like people take cracks at those tools early on, but mm-hmm. then, you know, both vendors do upgrades and changes and stuff like that. And it's seemingly impossible to keep up with a tool that will help you convert from one to the other. Right. That, and, that's and, what... and I'm sure like one vendor doesn't want you to convert to another. Right. So yeah. yeah they're trying to mitigate that aspect as well.
1: Right. And that's where I could see like AI or some kind of machine learning to figure out when an update happens, if any kind of code changes or anything like that, it figures out what that code changes and how to translate from vendor A on this code to vendor B on that code kind of Mm -hmm. thing.
2: And in some cases the same vendor. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know, when you do certain code upgrades, like it, it can sometimes mean a world of change.
1: Oh yeah. Like uh ASAs, that was a good one. Uh, what was it, point two to eight point three, or or something like that? I can't remember which version <laughs> yeah, it was, but yeah. they like redid that all together on yep. the command line and whatnot. <laughs> yep. And uh, and Dan had nine hours of. Trying to fix bull crap (laughs) (laughs) because I did not know. (laughs) No. So we've teased this a little bit, but
0: I want to talk about potential privacy implications of Mm, leveraging AI. So we talked about how it would be great to leverage these large data lakes of, of public information of course anonymized but do you think we'd ever get to the point where we can leverage those those public data lakes for ai and one of the things i want to bring up is there was a, a recent article is chat gpt has been all the rage of employees at, at a large company Oh. that we're pasting proprietary code into chat GPT to, to try to get suggestions or, or whatever I'm not 100% sure on the <laughs> intent but that's that's obviously a, a intellectual property and a, and a privacy issue so how do yeah. we how, where do we even start with that leveraging
1: AI in the enterprise So I think uh, the episode that you were talking about with packet pushers uh, was that Greg and uh, yeah there? Greg and Jana. Yeah, exactly. So I listened to that episode, and I thought it was really good. I, they they brought up a really good point about how you ingest your company's data into your own Chat GPT, right? And and pull information out of that. And I thought that was, I thought they made really good points with that. And uh, and so. I feel like that's kind of the only way we can go with this, right? Like cuz if you if you put your your data out there, I mean it's going to learn that and then so what's stopping someone from being like, okay, let's say a bunch of NASA developers put a bunch of their proprietary code out there. Well, what's stopping me from saying what is NASA doing, you know, and then it telling me that? No, exactly. Yeah, that's it's a, a huge privacy issue and the I do think that
0: having some sort of private type Uh, AI solutions is going to have to be the future. The only question I have around that is, and maybe this isn't a problem for most organizations, but the, the main question I have about that is at that point, you're you're leveraging your own private ai solution with your own private data and you only have your own data yeah. and maybe for for you know certain companies that's fine all you need is your own data and you need to be able to learn from it to be able to automate certain things but i i'm still going back to like security use cases and that yeah. you you need data from from um, other entities, but I, I guess a lot of that is either public information already through through certain organizations, or you're getting you're paying subscription fees to get access to that data. So maybe it's it's not as big of a deal. But yeah, I think you have to have a way to run at least your own private instance so you don't have to worry as much about that loss of intellectual property.
2: Do do you think that there's a scenario where, yes, you have a private instance, but it's still connected to the public instance? So it's it's ingesting the questions Mm -hmm. and the data that you're giving it, and then it's using the public to go... Reference and look for potential answers, but not hmm. putting your intellectual property out into that pool as well. Yeah,
1: like one way street kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you trying to say that it's going to do NAT of some type? <laughs> yeah, I was just kind
0: of—I was trying to like, equate it to a networking term. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that's a uh, good question. Like, what kind of data are we talking about? Right. Like, right. if if you're uploading your code, and if your code has anything that mentions your company name, is there a way for it to take that out, remove that to where it's getting more about the code and not who the code is for exactly. I got a a new business, like
2: sanitizes it before. I got a new
1: business venture fellas. Uh, (laughs) We can get in,
0: we can get into, we can be a DLP provider for, for AI solutions, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. It's data loss prevention for, for leveraging public data for AI. Wow. Yeah, it, the sky's the limit. Really, I mean, I I don't know. It, that that's why I'm kind of torn on this topic specifically, because p- a part of me is like I want to send certain type of data, uh, but obviously you don't want to send out your company's like bread and butter data, right? <laughs> like <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's a it's a difficult subject in a sense.
2: Now, now w- when I signed up for for chat gpt and, and mind you like i i only did it just today right because i know myself and i was worried about like what's going to happen if i start using this thing right like am i going to mm-hmm. get just like too hooked uh, <laughs> and it's not that like i'm not looking for ways to cut corners it's just like it's it's very interesting technology right And it, it's like the gaming that we talked about at the beginning of the episode right i could totally see myself just getting kind of hooked on on you know just playing with this thing and seeing how it works um but what i saw when i signed up for it was like you know our analysts will sometimes look at this stuff to help train the ai so don't put anything personal in there so it wasn't necessarily from a standpoint of don't put personal information here because it's going to be added to the pool of knowledge that the ai reaches into it's just some actual human might see this at some point maybe uh and you don't want that potential human seeing your personal stuff information whatever so does Chat GPT take the information you give it and then remember it and maybe provide that as a response to somebody else?
1: See, I don't know. I mean, it, it obviously remembers what you say to it to give back feedback to you, right?
2: The context, yeah,
1: yeah, right. That's a good question. And I, and I don't know. I, I like, can I ask it something that maybe you might have injected data into it and get it in a return on mine? You, you know what I'm saying?
2: Mm, yeah, right. Like if you tell it something personal, can I go to Chat TPT and say, "Hey, tell me that super personal thing about Dan Richards"?
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like this just took stalking to another level. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Ooh. It's gonna tell you something about a toll booth. I'll tell you that right now. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> Dan don't
0: know how to drive. <laughs> nah. So All I right. I see two. R- just to kind of, as, as we're recapping what we're talking about, I'm seeing two really big challenges and it's it's the, uh, the privacy, potential privacy implications that we've talked about and really trust in data. Because to me, an AI solution is only as good as the data it has mm-hmm. to analyze and make mm-hmm. decisions. So you, to me, you really have to trust what data inputs that that AI system's getting and and I don't have any answers around that on on how you do that, how you sanitize data, how you make sure that uh, you're ingesting what you you need to and and I don't even want to get into the the next frontier of of you know potential malicious code and, mm-hmm. and input validation on AI systems and that's a whole nother can of worms that is just crazy. But those, I mean, to me, those are the two big. Challenges with leveraging AI solutions in in networking and in, in just business in general. What do you, what do you guys think?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, when I think about AI and the uses that I've seen, like using it as as data lakes to help you troubleshoot something, I think is the the most prevalent use case, and maybe even for the foreseeable future. Right. Like the the short term, because when I was playing around with it earlier, I was just asking it to build some simple configs using like security best practices. And was it right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was missing some really key information and, and it took the parameters that I gave it. And like, like for example, like. I said, build me a switch configuration and on the trunk ports, use native VLAN, you know, whatever mm-hmm. and, you know, security best practices and all that. And and it split the switch in half. Now, first of all, I didn't say it was a 48 port switch, but <laughs> ports like 25 through 48 were all trunk ports. It's like, <laughs> well, all right. Yeah. yeah. I don't but know. That,
1: <laughs> but that's where it's nice that you can go back and you, you can correct that, right? Like, sure, sure. Like you could say, hey, by the way 25 to 48 whatever you said uh i don't want those trunked and it right. and it'll be like okay give me a minute and then it it spits it back out to okay, yeah. the way. i mean it,
2: the, now like like i said i just signed up today and yeah. you know, this was the extent of playing with it now i did do some things like you know Give me some prompts for writing blog articles, and, and uh, I, there's some great stuff. You might see some mm-hmm. new content coming from my my blog at some point here. So. <laughs> but but I I just I don't know if if Chat GPT is the tool that's going to help me write configs right when as I go to to do deployments. But yeah. I I just started playing with it, and I and I don't know. If I want to to do that, right? Like I've seen some mistakes in, in trying to go through and decode and tune and engineer my inputs to always give back the right inputs. It, I think it's just going to take too long to, to fine tune. I, I don't and know that, if, uh, if that use case is the best use case for something like ChatGPT. I think it's a great tool.
0: That was another big point in this uh, heavy strategy <clears throat> Podcast episode about is Chat GPT coming for your job? Is that it really seems like Chat GPT is the reason. They're making a big push for this is to show people the power behind these types of technologies. Not necessarily that Chat GPT is going to be the end all be all. It's really just sure. the tip of the iceberg in in what is available and out there, and and what we'll be able to see potentially in the future.
2: Yeah, it it's exciting and a little bit scary. Oh, I think it's more that- than a little bit scary. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, what I forget, there was like some company that was saying they were seeing the AI do stuff that no, nobody told it to do. Yeah. I think they made a movie well, about that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so I want to pivot a little bit. Um, what, what about like network op- optimization? What are, what are some ways we think AI could help with that? Uh, one thing well,
2: we, I mean haven't we seen that with juniper and mist right like hey you know look at my network and and see the types of problems I'm having uh, and and make some recommendations on how I can fine-tune or make things better. I mean I think that you see a lot of that with like wireless and, and DNA center um, and I, I think we saw some good use cases for that with with the juniper mist. Uh, Product gotcha, yeah. I I think
1: one thing bottlenecks and whatnot.
0: That's just what I was going to say, Dan. I think one thing that uh, there could be a major use case for for AI, and I know there's solutions that are out there that are doing similar things already, is uh, potentially leveraging AI as a capacity planning tool Mm -hmm. to be able to help tell me, hey, similar to the the SFP use case that we brought up earlier. Based on the data that we're seeing from this SFP off of this port and this switch, we think it's due for failure in X amount of time. Similar to that. Yeah. To to be able to capacity plan. Hey, we're seeing it's getting ingesting all this data. We we're seeing your network grow in these parts of the network. We think you'll be at 95% utilization of this link in x amount of
1: months you may want to yeah. do something about it like hey you need to start a project of figuring out how to fix this exactly in, yeah in exactly three months yeah you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh and yeah, by the it, way uh here's some here's some switches you may want to buy <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> no and in like do you know my favorite thing is is when something does break uh, you know, our management wants us to do a kind of like a root cause analysis, right? And I absolutely love those. You know, the, it's just the the joy of my working career is doing a root cause analysis on why something messed up. I could see where AI could help help in yeah. that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Kind of sure. like
1: to your point of you know, if that SFP failed, it could it could say, look, this is why it failed. You know, the, the thing is twelve years old. Move on, guys. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> move on. <laughs> you need to just it. It's a two hundred dollar you know, piece of gear, get a new one. (laughs) And I think it all goes back to,
0: and I harp on this all the time, that IT departments are are seen often as cost centers and that that Mm -hmm. they're really just there keeping the lights on. And I think AI technologies can help be that differentiator to be able to show that you can provide value because you're not just operating the network, you're, you're not just letting it run, you're letting it provide suggestions, you're letting it try to make things better on its own and suggest how you as an engineer can get involved to make things better in the long run and enhance the network over time. That's where I I see AI as far as building networks and not just the the operational, hey, you may have problems here and there, but actually building and enhancing. That's where I could see AI being helpful uh, in the future is doing that capacity planning and saying, you know, hey, giving ideas for optimization and where you can enhance the network. Yeah.
1: And then, uh, you know, we talked about this at the Juniper thing, but like, what about self-healing? Right. Yeah. Being able to make automated changes. And that's back to that trust, right? You got to make sure
0: Mm -hmm. that you trust your AI system to accurately define something as a problem, one, and then accurately implement the solution without a human being consulted. Now, personally, I I think, you know, for general adoption, I think we're a little ways away from that. But Mm -hmm. I, I don't I don't see that not happening down the road I,
1: I want to get to a point where if let's say that SFP was going to fail right let's I, we kind of keep using that as a as an example here Yep. I want AI to be able to go on Amazon order a new SFP <laughs> deliver it to my door you know and yep. then I can go install it
0: <laughs> I thought you were going to take it a step I, further and you want the switches to have like a an eject button a little <laughs> it spits out the SFP. <laughs> <in> the <other. laughs>
2: I, I think that's, just, that's yeah. a lot closer than you think, Dan. I, I mean, based yeah. on conversations we saw, particularly at NFD earlier this year, uh, y- you know, to proactively let you know, like, hey, based on, on the performance that we're seeing, this has like the signature of this is going to fail we're Uh going to send you a new one you know like that's i think within the next few years that's that's definitely going to be part of like you know your next service contract and that's what you want right you don't you don't want
0: your your customers to have to open up tickets i mean that's that's a win-win for uh for these vendors right because then Mm -hmm. if there's automation solutions that are doing that for instance leveraging ai then not only is that a value to the customer in that they didn't have to see that that we have a problem and report to the vendor that we have a problem, but that's also taking less time from the tech team at the vendor to mm-hmm. take the call from the person or respond to mm-hmm. the online ticket process the RMA. Well, first troubleshoot and make sure that it really is because you always get that right. Hey, I've got a bad power supply. I got a bad SFP, whatever. You typically got to go through the steps with the person. Hey, did you check this? Did you mm-hmm. check that? Did you check the third thing? It, it could potentially, to your point, AJ, take all of that away.
2: Oh, yeah. And yeah.
0: you come into work and there's your SFP sitting on your desk and you just need to go swap it. Yeah.
2: I've seen like this proactive stuff before. What well, One thing that comes to mind is like uh, data storage, right? Like hundreds of drives, you're going to have failures and they would always say proactive, right? Like the drive failed. We opened a ticket, we're sending you the RMA, right? Like, but now we're talking about Notifying me before a potential failure, uh, and I, I think that that's like a whole that, that that's actually proactive. Like the, there's like yeah. automatically reactive versus proactive.
0: Yeah, there's not a problem now, but we're seeing indicators where there could be, and that's where I think we can leverage. Uh, Dan, you brought it up earlier with the Windows example. In you can opt in to send anonymized data of your. Mm-hmm what Windows sees as being your your user experience. If we have something mm-hmm. like that in network operations to where you can tap into uh, unknowingly, the, the system's just doing it for you, you can tap into those data lakes of other customers that are experiencing those similar problems uh, that it's not just your own data, The vendors are able to ingest all of that and make decisions based off of that and now all of a sudden you have indicators of potential issues from all the different or most of the different customers that that vendor has Mm -hmm. that makes life better better for everybody in, in the end as long as it's you know done safely and securely of course
1: yeah and that's where i feel like if there's any company out there that has any form of a security team like that ain't going to happen. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, just, I just don't see him wanting to, to allow that. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, me personally, it's like, eh, whatever. If, if, if it's secure, then why not feed that data out there to, to help everyone? essentially.
0: And, and AJ's right. We're, we're already there in some cases or, or very close. I mean, we were seeing stories about that at, at NFD and talking about it at that Juniper event too. I mean, this is hmm. very top of mind for a lot of these these vendors. And it, it's nice to see that, that they're looking that way. They're working toward that way and things are actively yeah. um, starting to get better. Because anytime... That an issue can either get resolved before it actually becomes a customer noticeable issue, or a ticket can get auto generated with the um, all the information. Because I, I do that. I, I try to train myself, but I do this shit all the time. Where I know I put in a case with a vendor and I know that I need to put this, the certain three outputs or four outputs. I know that they're going to want, but I forget <laughs> show tech and that's, yep. That's the very first thing they ask. So to, to be able to have a vendor have that, uh, that level of information already and be able to correlate it is, is huge.
2: Well, guys, this is, uh, this has been a fun episode. Any final yeah. thoughts before we, uh, before we wrap this one up,
0: we should have just had chat GPT do it for us.
2: who who do you think's gonna maybe it did (laughs) Uh, yeah
1: yeah who's to say it didn't you know uh also i i wanted to throw this one joke in but uh you know back when we were talking about more of like the ethical you know that kind of stuff and security and whatnot you know what if the network sees a user let's just say his name's jim okay jim is putting in tickets saying that hey the network sucks you know uh, i'm having a horrible experience here what if ai sees that and it takes offense to it and it's like you know what jim you're gonna get the absolute worst experience now and it starts picking on (laughs) users like (laughs) could could it ever get a bad
2: experience before you just yeah yeah (laughs) it turns into the
0: turns into the grumpy dad
1: wearing the Wearing the jorts and the <clears throat> in the mowing shoes, every, every time that Jim tries to open a ticket now, if for whatever reason it just goes sends him to YouTube to Rick Rolled, you know. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, this has been a fun conversation. I would love to hear from you, our audience, on what you think the future of AI and networking is. Let us know in the comments if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, or if you're listening to it on the podcast. uh, Jump on Twitter, Mastodon, or whatever social networks hot these days, and let us know. Uh, We'd love to continue this conversation. Um, If you haven't yet, please check out our latest podcast, Cables to Clouds. You can join Tim, Chris, and Alex. Alex (laughs) say it again, say it again. We'll cut it out. (laughs) Sorry, Alex. You can can join Tim, Chris and Alex, uh, every other week, every off week from the a one show on, uh, their new podcast cables to clouds, where they talk about all things, uh, cloud networking. And, uh, it's, it's a fun show, another fun show. And, uh, as always, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please share this with another, uh, network engineer and, uh, and help, help the, the show get more ears. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time on another episode of the Arch of Network you. Take 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 James! James. <laughs>
0: hey there, friends. We hope you enjoyed listening to that episode just as much as we did recording it. If you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe to the show and your favorite podcatcher. You can also give that little bell rascal a little ringy dingy so you know when we release new episodes. If you're social like we are, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Art of Net Eng. That's Art of N-E-T-E-N-G. You can also find us on that weaving web that is the internet at artofnetworkengineering.com. There you'll find our show notes and some blog articles from the hosts, guests, and other friends who just like getting their thoughts down on that virtual paper. Until next time, friends, thanks for listening.